You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The San Antonio Spurs are in full rebuild mode now. It's a change from what we've seen from them in the past. And as such, they've got an intriguing crop of young players. Which of those guys do I believe is the most fascinating and the most valuable piece long term? I'll give you my thoughts and I've got a guest joining the show today and he'll give you his thoughts as well. You are locked on the NBA draft. Yes, it is your host, Sam Ferris. I'm here to talk today about some of the young players in the NBA especially for the San Antonio Spurs. I think we've got a very fun show for you guys today. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA podcast your first listen today and hopefully every day. We're free and available on all platforms. You can follow me, Sam Ferris, at Draft Dummies on Twitter. But uh, without further ado, let's start talking about basketball. All right, so I'm going to welcome in We've got an awesome guest today. It is Noah Magaro-George. He is the writer and editor at Pounding the Rock, the host of the uh, Alamo City Limits podcast. He does all types of Spurs-related stuff. I've been on his show. He was one of actually the first guests to ever come on the Draft Dummies. So it's very good to have you back on, and I'm excited to talk about the Spurs youngsters today. We've got the first Spurs preseason game is actually starting, I think, in an hour, right, no, uh, right, Noah? Yeah, hour and a half. I think 7.30, right? Yeah, it's, we're really yep. close. I'm excited for it, man. I know. Can't wait. Finally, the NBA is back. Uh, it's kind of year-round now, especially since most of the stuff I do is draft-related. Um, I'll let you plug your stuff kind of at the end, Noah. Um, but do you have any thoughts before we jump into kind of the program here? Any overarching thoughts kind of on the Spurs season? I guess let me start with this, Noah. On my last podcast, I I actually said that the Spurs over is one of my favorite bets uh, this year in terms of like looking at the over-under win totals for teams. I think I'm just a little more optimistic overall. Do you, do you kind of fall into that group too? And just kind of in general, where are you on this Spurs season as we're about to kick it off? Yeah, I think generally I'm a little more optimistic than, you know, say the the Vegas odds that have them set at 28 and a half wins. I think they're going to get yep. there. I just don't know how much better than that they're going to be. I think they could be better. They've got a lot of really good defensive pieces. They have some yep. interesting, you know, young players who might be able to take a leap, maybe one or two of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, I talked about it with, Nate Duncan on his his podcast about, I don't know, a week or so ago. And I think this is really more like a 34 win team. And I know, you know, 34 versus 28 wins, you know, not a big gap there, but in the NBA, that's, that's a pretty big gap. And I do think if everything goes right, they could maybe even get close to 500 and, you know, fight for one of those playing spots. I don't think they're going to be a good team or like a, a, a no, you know, no doubts sort of playoff team, but I do think that they're going to be competitive every single night. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm right there with you. Um, So to kind of set the table here for what we're going to talk about on this episode, we're going to do three segments. And in the first segment, what we're going to do is kind of set the table. We're going to talk about some of the Spurs youngsters, what Noah has heard and read in terms of how much playing time some of these guys might get, 
what their roles might be um, and what kind of stands out to Noah on that front. And in the second segment, uh, I'm excited for this because Noah and I have each picked which of these young guys on the Spurs we believe is their best long-term prospect, and we're going to discuss why. And then in the final segment, just to kind of mix it up a bit, I've asked Noah to select another team from the NBA that he's kind of excited to watch and to follow this season. And so we kind of haven't shared notes yet, so I'm excited to see where this discussion all takes us. But without further ado, Noah, let's get in. And in terms of the young guys that I did want to hit on, I kind of want to hit on Lonnie Walker and everybody basically younger than that on the roster. I I don't think we need to hit on Jock Landale or Joe Wieskamp. Uh, I don't know if those guys are necessarily like core pieces moving forward, but the guys that I mainly want to hit on are Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, uh, Luca Samanich, and then Devin Vassell, Trey Jones, and Josh Primo. Um, so let's do it like this, Noah. Out of I think those are six guys right there. Which of those guys would you say do you think is going to play the least for the Spurs this upcoming season? Yeah, as much as it pains me to say it, because I think he's been working really hard. He's added eight pounds of muscle this offseason. I think Lucas Shamanich is not going to get to play that much. I mean, we, we still don't know where this roster is going to be, right? They still have Al Farouk Aminu. They still have Thaddeus Young. And they, they also signed Doug McDermott, who is going to be the starter, is what Pop has said. And so with those guys still on the roster and Luka Shamanich being sort of an unproven commodity, at least in the eyes of Greg Popovich and that coaching staff, I just don't see him playing a lot of minutes unless they move off of them. Now, they could. You know, they have to cut that roster down from 17 guaranteed contracts to 15. Thaddeus Young makes sense to move. But even if you move him and cut Aminu, I think Shamanich is still going to have an uphill battle to beat out guys like... You know, Drew Eubanks and Yaka Pertle and, um, you know, the other guys we discussed. And and that's not even to mention Zach Collins may come back. Like Popovich said that Zach Collins will be back sometime after Christmas. So it's like if Zach Collins comes back, you know, he's healthy, he looks good. Where do you fit in Luka? Because I just don't yeah. see him taking anyone's minutes, especially if they play Keldon at the four again this season. Yeah, exactly. So what you were saying there, uh, it sounds like you believe – Luca is kind of more of a four or five almost in the modern NBA. Is that correct? I think it's tough to label him. I do think yeah. like if you're ideally, I think he's playing four and maybe a little bit of three. A yeah. lot of Spurs fans and a lot of writers like to say he's this guy who can shoot the ball, who can put the ball on the floor, who can pass. And I think out of all those three things, the only thing that's really fledged out in any sort of way where I'm comfortable saying that he's good at it is really the passing. He's not afraid to make an extra pass. He can see some sort of openings when they become available. But in terms of putting the ball on the floor, he's become a little bit predictable. He really likes this spin move. He gets the ball stripped quite a bit. He doesn't always make the best decision with the ball in his hands. And as a shooter, even going back to when he was playing overseas, G League, NBA, combine all of that. And you've got more than 603 three-point uh, three attempts. And it's only about 29%, you know, across all those attempts from all of his professional and G League experience. And I just am not really sure what skills he has that unless he has really fledged any of those out over the offseason that he's going to be that much of a contributor. I think he's a good defender. But I just don't see him guarding fives. And as well as he guarded in flashes, like on the perimeter against ones and twos at times during the G League and his short stint in the NBA last year, I really think he's mostly going to guard threes and fours. So, you know, probably a long-winded way of saying, you know, he's probably best at four and, and maybe a little bit of three if they have an opening there. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Okay, so out of Trey Jones and Josh Primo kind of in the guard spot, which of those guys do you think this coming season will get uh, more action? I think it's going to be Trey Jones. The The coaching staff really liked what they saw from him at the summer league. And, you know, sometimes when they have players out there and they've seen, you know, everything they need to see, so to speak, like, you know, you've done so well, we don't need to see you play anymore. They did that to Trey Jones. You know, he had like a minor injury. It wasn't anything serious, but they said, you know what? We've seen what we need to see. We're going to sit him out the rest of the summer league. And, you know, he'll he'll get a shot during training camp. And I think that's going to be the case. The only thing that's really unfortunate with that is he sprained his ankle during training camp yesterday. He's doubtful for the game today. So we'll see what that does, because typically players who don't play during this, uh, not summer league, rather, but during uh, preseason, they have a hard time breaking into the rotation right away because Pop usually likes to get those guys, you know, nice and ready to play during the preseason. And we, we saw that with Luca, where he didn't play during the preseason last year and then he didn't end up playing really much during the season. So hopefully that doesn't affect his playing time, but they seem to be high on him. I'm high on him, so I definitely think it's got to be Trey Jones. Josh Primo, probably going to spend most of his time in the G League. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Yeah, I was at the first few days of Summer League, and I obviously watched most of it. I know there were a lot of Spurs fans that were complaining that Trey Jones didn't make any of the kind of all-Summer League teams, and I agreed with them, frankly, when I did my recap uh, podcast. I listed Trey Jones as kind of one of my top three most, su- you know, pleasant surprises from the summer league. Uh, we've always known that he's a good defensive point guard, but I thought he showed a lot more offensively than even kind of I was expecting. And so I was calling for him to get this job as a backup point guard this year. And I think he's going to be ready for it. And I think by them going young here, he's going to get that job. And I'm I'm very excited for him. Uh, you mentioned Josh Primo. We obviously saw him in the summer league too. I agree. He's very young. Uh, it, it's funny because you you had me on your show, you know, a couple weeks, maybe months before the draft. Yeah. We talked about potential guys they might pick. I think we talked about Giddy, Shangun. I loved both <laughs> of those guys. And then out of left field, it was Josh Primo. Nobody saw that coming, but that's kind of the fun of the draft, right? And so I'm fascinated to see kind of how that goes for him. Uh, but let's go to the the last three guys here, Vassell Walker and Keldon Johnson, they're kind of all wings. Um, how do you see their roles playing out this season? You can start with whichever of those guys you want. Yeah, well, we'll start with Keldon. So obviously he had his Olympics tour, so to speak. He was on that team, won gold medal, spent a lot of time around guys like Draymond Green, um, you know, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, you know, a bunch of superstars and. He talked about it pretty much every press conference where he was saying, look, I'm trying to soak up everything I can. I'm working on my game. I'm trying to pick apart their game and learn. And hopefully he has because the coaching staff made a a point of talking about Pop did at least at uh, the last press availability saying that, you know, there's a few players. He wouldn't list any of them in particular, but the few players have really stood out as players who are primed to make the leap. And when he did talk about the guys who are definitely going to get minutes, he mentioned Lonnie Keldon. Derek DeJounte and Devin by name as guys who, you know, they're definitely getting minutes and the rest of the team will will fit them in where we can. And so I think when you look at Keldon last year where he sort of made that big jump, at least in minutes and and, in his productivity from his rookie year, I think we could see a similar jump this year. There are a few things that I'm sort of skeptical about with Keldon, like 
He's not really a guy who has a lot of advantage creation ability in his game. Like he's not someone who's going to take you off the dribble. He's a little stiff there. Um, he's mostly a straight line driver, not really a good standstill shooter, doesn't have a lot of shot versatility off the ball. So there are areas I'm skeptical about, but I do think he's been working really hard to improve on those areas. Um, he's worked out with, you know, obviously the Spurs guys, but he also had an opportunity, like we mentioned, to, to work out with the guys at the Olympics. So He's a guy who I would say out of all of them, he's going to have the longest leash, the most minutes, the most touches, most shots. And, and you know, hopefully they find out what they want to find out about him this year. And I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, for sure. I do think there certainly is something real to that kind of Olympic bump. And we've seen that with, uh, you know, younger guys in the past that are starting to come into their own. And they just get that confidence by playing with the superstars in the NBA, by winning gold. I think that's real, and so I'm excited to see what happens with him this coming season. Um, okay, um, you mentioned Devin Vassell was a guy that Pop mentioned. Um, do you think he starts this year? I'm guessing not, but how many minutes would you kind of estimate that he plays this season? Yeah, he's not going to start this year, at least not right off the bat. You know, they did list Doug McDermott as the day one starter, and I'm just not sure where else he would fit in. You know, you got Derek yeah. DeJounte. Um, Doug McDermott, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob. That's the starting five for now, but I could easily see him coming off the bench. Last year, I think he averaged about 15, 16 minutes per game, and I think you could probably see it somewhere around 22 to 23, especially since Pop mentioned him by name as one of the guys who is, you know, quote-unquote, definitely going to play and will fit everybody else where we can. And and I think that's a good thing. You know, he was the first rookie, and I'm not, again, I've said this many times on other podcasts. I'm not saying he's Kawhi Leonard, but yeah. he's the first rookie since Kawhi Leonard to spend zero days in the G League, and at least for the Spurs. And and I think that's a big deal. He's also the first rookie to play more than 17 minutes per game for at least 60 appearances during a season. And so clearly Popovich has trust in him. You know, some of that was Derek White being injured. But a lot of that was he was a guy who showed he could play, you know, elite uh, team defense, a guy who could knock down three-point uh, three shots, and a guy who generally didn't really – need the ball to be successful, although I think there is some unexplored potential there. And I, you, you kind of brought me onto the Devin Vassell bandwagon last yeah. year, but <laughs> I like him a lot. I think that there's a lot that there's that can be explored with him this season. I think he's going to get more touches. He's going to have a little bit more freedom. They're going to play faster. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it lands. And, and I think that, well, who was the last guy you wanted to talk about? Was it Lonnie? Yeah, Lonnie. Yep. Yeah, Lonnie is an interesting guy, too, because he's someone who has sort of had to wait and wait and wait to get minutes. Yeah. You know, when he was a rookie, it was, okay, you're a rookie. Rookies don't get to play. Then his second year, he came out and, okay, well, Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes are ahead of you on the depth chart. And last year, those guys were gone, and he got to play, you know, off the bench. But he was hurt a little bit. His minutes were inconsistent. Pop was on him about his defense. And so this year, without DeMar DeRozan, I think you're going to see a lot of minutes and shots open up for him in the second unit. I think he may end up being that go-to guy. But a lot of it for me is... Does he want that? Because there have been several games where it's like, okay, Lonnie's feeling it. He's on, you know, he scores 20, 23, 24, 25. But if he misses a, his first couple shots, his confidence is gone. He disappears. He's not doing much out there. He gets yanked from a game. And, you know, with all the players who they need to find minutes for on the wing, if Lonnie is going to do that at any point this season and someone else steps up, whether that be, you know, Devin Vassell, Trey Jones, Josh Primo, even Joe Wieskamp, you know, Lonnie could lose minutes, but I am confident in Lonnie. I do like some of his game. There are things that he needs to sort of smooth out, like his handle needs to improve. 
Uh, I think his shot selection needs to improve a little bit too, but he's a guy who is uber athletic. He has all the tools that you would want out of a perimeter defender. It's just putting it together this year now that he has the opportunity to really build some confidence without any real roadblocks in front of him. Yep, for sure. I know, you know, when I had come on your podcast before, we had kind of, you know, last year debated Lonnie Walker versus Keldon Johnson. I was always on the Keldon Johnson, you know, team in terms of those two guys. Uh, I did like Lonnie Walker too, but I think I've kind of been proven right in that regard. I don't think Lonnie Walker has necessarily popped yet to kind of the level that we would have hoped. But yeah, I think last year he played 25 minutes per game. Uh, Hopefully he gets kind of more shots and just it's that consistency that hopefully he gets to that kind of level and that feel off the bench. But this has been a good lead in to the next discussion that we're going to have coming up next, where we each kind of give our case for who we believe is the best prospect right now out of the guys that we just mentioned. Uh, But let's get into a break and we'll do that coming up next. Hey guys, so there are just a few things in life that are not that fun to talk about. And one of them can be excessive sweating. You know, when you're in a meeting, you're giving a speech, you're at work, and maybe your shirt is sweating through for no reason. And that's kind of embarrassing, right? So some of you might have dealt with this, uh, and it can happen to anyone really. But thankfully, there is this new brand out. It's called Sweat Block. And because they're one of our sponsors, they actually sent me a few weeks ago a lot of their supplies. Uh, They've been really effective, I think, for me. So simply, the only thing you have to do is apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day as normal without worrying about sweating. And that's guaranteed. I know that sounds too good to be true, but you just have to use it once or twice a week. And it can keep you dry that entire time. No more pitting out. No more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon or CVS. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. I'm sure many of you have noticed this as well, but I didn't like how basically in fantasy basketball, the team that won was normally just the team that had more guys playing games that week. And so there just wasn't that much that much strategy involved. And so that is kind of what Sleeper is getting at here. What they've done is made it so that you can only play one game a week for each guy. So it's a bit more like fantasy football and I think that's a much improved way of doing it. So they pick a single, uh, an owner picks a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. It's just a better way to do fantasy basketball, and they've got all different types of game modes. So I do believe that Sleeper has helped crack the fantasy basketball code for an issue that has existed in the past. So if you prefer building out this weekly strategy, Go ahead and try Sleeper. You're going to love this new way that they're doing fantasy basketball. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so Noah, we haven't shared notes yet, so I'm not sure actually which of these guys you're going to pick. You're the guest, though, so I will let you go first. Out of the guys that we just kind of talked about briefly, 
Which of those guys do you believe, Noah, is their best long-term prospect? Or you might kind of phrase it their most valuable piece long-term. I do think it is Keldon Johnson at the moment. And I know it's sort of like a cliche, but I think if you look at Lonnie Walker and Devin Vassell, they're not really that far behind. Like I, I mentioned my sort of concerns with Keldon Johnson, things I need that he needs to get better at. But with Lonnie Walker, I could easily see him if he starts to really sort of develop in these other areas, becoming a three-level scorer and a guy who can guard one of your best, you know, the other team's best perimeter, you know, scoring threat, something like that. He has the tools. He theoretically has the skills. It's just the shots aren't falling. The percentages aren't there. He's not always aggressive. He doesn't finish at the rim well. So, yes, there are definitely things he needs to get better at. But he's a guy who I think, you know, I definitely have Keldon Johnson tier one. Then you got Lonnie Walker and Devin Vassell, you know, somewhere near each other, though. At this point, I would probably lean a little bit more towards Devin Vassell because he he's proven that he can be a defensive asset where Lonnie really, you know, despite the tools has sort of been a liability on the defensive end since he's come to San Antonio. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like a development pathway for Keldon Johnson, you mentioned some of the deficiencies that he hasn't been a dead eye shooter. He's not a guy that has a ton of, um, you know, like wiggle off the bounce. Uh, his handle is, is fine right now. He, I'd say he's kind of more of a power athlete at the three and four and when you look at his numbers, that backs it up. Like he gets to the rim as much as basically like any wing in the NBA, like over 50% of his shots are at the rim, which is great. Um, but if you had to kind of guess, like if he does take another step forward this year, Noah, is it the shot? Is it the handle? Is it passing? Is it defense? Where do you, where do you foresee a little bit of upside with him? Yeah, I think the upside with him probably starts with shooting the ball a little bit better. He shot pretty yeah. well at Kentucky. He shot well in high school or, you know, relatively well in high school. And I think just becoming a better standstill shooter opens up so many more opportunities because if they respect him as a shooter and they have to close out hard, he can take advantage of that and he can get to the rim. We know he wants to get to the rim, but right now yeah. he's a little predictable. Like without being able to shoot, people are going to be able to know that you're going to you want to going to get to the rim. That's his whole shtick right now. And the thing that kind of concerned me last year is at the very, you know, about first 20, 25 games here I have in my notes, he shot 72% at the rim. So elite. That's really, really good yeah. for a guy his size. But then from the all-star break to the end of the season, he only shot 51% at the rim. And he actually finished shooting just 59% at the rim, which was second worst out of all the rotation players on the Spurs last year, just to Lonnie, who... That's really not his strong suit. So that's a little bit concerning. So if he can't get better at those things, yeah. you know, that that is a little concerning. But I do see him getting better at shooting the three ball. I asked him in one of the press conferences, he said, you know, that is something that I've been working on this summer. I want to get better at it. And it's a it, it was an emphasis for me this offseason. And we saw it a little bit with the Team USA during the scrimmages. He shot the ball a little bit better. He finished really well. And hopefully if he could add one more thing in there, just – being able to play defense a little more conservatively, not that he, you know, he should be timid or anything, but sometimes he gets a little bit too ahead of himself, can get a little handsy, uh, not necessarily always in foul trouble, but definitely something you want to watch out because if he's going to be one of their top options on offense, like I think he will this year, you don't want him sitting on the bench with foul trouble because I think San Antonio is pretty limited in terms of their scoring options. Yeah, for sure. So kind of to your point there, uh, I've got some numbers in front of me. Somewhat surprisingly, he really struggled shooting from the corner from three last year, only 29%. That's a small sample. I do think that's going to improve, kind of like you mentioned. 
And when teams respect that a bit more, like you said, I think that's going to open his game, allow him to get not only more shots at the rim, but hopefully like better uh, yeah. attempts with more spacing. Um, and then the other thing too that I was looking at is defensively, if you just look at his his on-off numbers last year, the Spurs were much better with him actually defensively off the floor. But if you kind of dig into those numbers, a lot of the reason for that is because he played a lot of his minutes with DeRozan and Aldridge, <laughs> who <laughs> were not the best defenders for the Spurs last year. Um, so that's kind of why you always have to dig a little bit more into the numbers. I think he's going to be better defensively. He certainly has the physical tools to do that. Um, so I, I like your call in Keldon Johnson there. And for some background here, I I went on another podcast a couple weeks ago, and we did a fun exercise, Noah, where we grouped all of the past three draft classes together, <laughs> and we ranked the top 30 guys. And, and so that was, it was pretty tough. And actually, one of the harder things for me to rank, or two of the players that were very close for me were Vassell and Keldon Johnson. I ended up just leaning Vassell barely. And so that's kind of who I've gone with here. Okay. Um, you you talked about some of the reasons kind of in the first segment there. But I do think, you know, we tend to overreact just in general to small sample <laughs> sizes in rookie years. Um, so, you know, maybe off the cuff, some people might have thought Devin Vassell's rookie year was slightly disappointing. But you have to look at the context with that because – like you said, like he he was basically the first Spurs rookie to actually play consistent minutes since Kawhi Leonard and not go down to the G League. And also you have to take into account just how crazy it was with COVID. They basically got no training camp, limited practices. Uh, it was just a tough environment to come in and a tough draft cycle overall. And I, I do just believe that you have to give these guys two, at least two years in the NBA to really get a feel for them. So, you know, this is something I like to say that, you know, we're so excited to see these rookies. It's the first time seeing them in the NBA. Like Spurs fans are going to be stoked to see Josh Primo. But for me, <laughs> I think Devin Vassell, like this year is the bit, like if I had to pick one guy on the Spurs where this year probably means the most in terms of us, kind of learning about him and seeing who he is as an NBA player. I think Devin Vassell is that guy. And so, yeah, like I had him, like you said, I had him top four coming into the draft. I don't think there's a reason to really drop him after last year. He basically did what we expected. The Spurs were better with him on the floor defensively. His stop, his uh, steal and block numbers were good. I think he's going to shoot the ball better this year. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, what I've said here with Vassell, Noah, is there anything you disagree with or is there any reason I should be a bit more maybe hesitant with him in terms of his projection? No, I don't really think so. You know, I agree pretty much with everything you had to say, and I, I'd love to add on to it. I, I don't want to be a person who makes excuses for players, but just in terms of not having the training camp and the Spurs not having like they didn't practice last year. All the whole second half, they did not practice. They may have had shoot-arounds, but they did not practice. They ended up, you know, with COVID, they ended up having to reschedule games. They had 40 games in 68 days, and he was one of the players who had COVID. And the second he came back from COVID, he was thrown back into the fire. He was playing games. And before COVID, he shot above 40% from three, mostly catch-and-shoot opportunities. 
those same opportunities were there in the second half of the season. I just don't think like physically he was in as good of a shape. You know, COVID does a lot to your body. And I think yep. for, for Devin to come back there, pretty much play the same exact amount of minutes, same shot, same role, same defensive role. It's a lot. It was a lot to ask of him. So I'm not trying to make excuses for Devin, but I can understand why his numbers dipped across the board. But I also think he was one of the reasons why for a large part of the year until they got rid of LaMarcus Aldridge, he was one of the big reasons that they had such a good second unit. Like their second unit was keeping them in games. Their starters were getting outscored pretty much every single game. And in came Jakob Pertl and Devin Vassell and Rudy Gay and Patty Mills. And he was a huge part of why those lineups were so good defensively. So I really buy into Devin Vassell. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this offseason. I was encouraged by what I saw during summer league. Unfortunately, another injury really sort of hampered him there. And he ended up sitting out games and he played through the injury a little bit before he was asked to be, you know, he just asked the coaching staff, please take me out. So that was a little disappointing, but I'm very excited to see what Devin can do. Yeah, uh, that was a good point by you. Thank you for bringing up. I forgot that he had COVID too. And you'll often see rookies hit the, you know, the proverbial rookie wall. But when you combine the rookie wall with having COVID, it's certainly understandable that his numbers did drop off second half of the year. Um, I still believe in him getting to be a mid-range scorer at some point in his career. He showed flashes of that last year and also... There were a couple summer league games. I was at the summer league game in Salt Lake when he hit a bunch of those shots. Um, and then just defensively, I think he's going to be a very good team defender. Uh, but I want to get back to something. I had a question for you, Noah, because uh, with DeMar DeRozan gone, we've talked about Keldon and Devin Vassell. Uh, I don't believe Devin Vassell certainly is going to be the Spurs leading scorer this year. Uh, definitely would not pick that. But who do you think is, would you say Keldon Johnson might be that guy? Or who do you think is going to, you know, get kind of be the leading scorer and get the bulk of the shots this season? Yeah, I think it's between DeJounte Murray and Derek White. And one of the reasons I say Derek White is because you look at what he did in the bubble. And I know the bubble was such a small sample size and he got injured there as well. (laughs) Like he ended up missing the last couple games of the bubble for the Spurs. But those first six games, he was averaging 21, five and five on 48, 44, 85 shooting splits. He looked really good, and they said, hey, you know, you're our second option next to DeMar, but it was almost like it was uh, 1A, 1B. He looked good. He looked confident. And to me, he's really the only guy on the roster right now who's proved in any sort of capacity that he can shoot the ball off the dribble from mid-range, from three-point, who's an off-ball threat, who can get to the rim, and who can defend at an elite level. And I, I know defense has nothing to do with offense, but some of his defense will end up turning into offense. It will, it will create some opportunities for the Spurs. And I think he's the guy that, look, if he's doing really well on, on defense, I, I can easily see Popovich saying, okay, well, we're going to reward Devin on the other end for his, or not Devin, I'm sorry, Derek, for yeah. his effort on the other end. And the same thing with DeJounte. My only worry with DeJounte is he's been great. He's gotten better every single year. He's added a little facet to his game every year. But the things that he needs to get better at, and I know I've said that with a lot of other players today, but the things he needs to get better at to take his game to the next level, like, yes, he is a really, he's an elite uh, mid-range shooter. He got better. He was about league average at at, uh, finishing at the rim, but he doesn't draw fouls at a very good rate. He doesn't shoot off the dribble from three really at all. He's hardly a standstill shooter from three. And Look, I know that he has the ball in his hands quite a bit, but even to me, he's a little stiff there. Like he doesn't have a ton of wiggle. I just, to me, I'm not really sure 
where he goes from here, like how he develops that now in his age 25, 26 season in his sixth year in the NBA. So I like DeJounte, but um, not sure how much better he's going to get. I hope he proves me wrong, but it's between those two guys. I know it's it's not probably the names everybody wanted to hear, but they're, they're two of the guys who I wouldn't really consider young core anymore, but they're definitely the leaders. They, they've been yeah. here the longest. They've proven the most out of these young guys, so to speak, young guys. So we'll see, but I do, I feel fairly confident it's going to be between those two and it's not really going to be close in my opinion. All right. That makes sense. Uh, we're going to get into a final break here and then just kind of quickly in the final segment, Noah spends a lot of time watching the Spurs, but just for fun to mix it up, I wanted to ask him to pick one other NBA team that he's excited to keep an eye on. So we're going to get into that next. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning back to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. Uh, so as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. So be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo and make a bet on the on Thursday, September 9th, season opener be- between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if even if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Uh, so from football basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait and go take advantage of the great offers available for this upcoming season. That is Bet Online, your online favorite sports book. All right, Noah. So who was the team that you picked here that you're kind of intrigued to keep an eye on this season? I was so torn. I was going to pick the Hornets because I'm just such a big LaMelo ball guy. And I also yeah. really like the other pieces, but ultimately I decided on the Atlanta Hawks. I just think okay. they're so intriguing. They have so many really good pieces. I love watching Trey Young play basketball. Um, you know, they've also got guys like Deandre Hunter, John Collins, uh, Sharif Cooper is another guy. Like he yeah. was someone who on my draft board, I had him, I believe as I'm pulling it up here, 13th on my big board. So the fact that they got him so late and he can be under Trey Young, which I'm not saying he's going to be a Trey Young level player, but I do think he's going to be more valuable than his draft positioning. And I like him a lot. I like Jalen Johnson a lot. And I think they're just going to be interesting. Like Onyeko Okongwu too. I think he's a fantastic young player. Clint Capella, I'm not sure if he's healthy anymore or or if he's not healthy right now. But they've got a lot of interesting pieces. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure I left people out. Like off the top of my mind, I think Kevin... Huerter and DeLon Ryder on the team as well. So they've got really intriguing pieces. I want to see if they can build upon what they did last year, where to me, they were sort of a surprise Eastern Conference finalist. But um, I'd love to hear who you have. I mean, who's your team that you're watching? Uh, Well, first, I love your pick there. And the Hawks are going to be the team that I talk about on this show next week. But I agree just (laughs) because. So that was a good call by you. Very prescient. (laughs) But I, I love how you talked about I mean, they're such a rare team because uh, they kind of almost went all in on winning last year. They signed a bunch of veteran guys, but at the same time, and they did have success. They made it to the conference finals, but at the same time, they have such a a great group of young talent, whether it's Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, a guy that I really love. You mentioned Herder, but John Collins too, and then Okongwu. And then you mentioned Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson. 
I also had both of those guys top 10 on my board. So two guys that I loved. So the, the Hawks have just done a great job drafting for value over the last few years. Um, and so I'm excited to see which of those guys do get minutes. And they're another team that just has great talent on the top with Trey Young, who I think is going to be kind of a fringe MVP candidate that's going to surprise some people and jump into that conversation, plus that youth. So I think they're another team that's going to exceed expectations this year. Um, so that was an interesting team for me. But just as a as a guy that follows the draft that uh, spends a lot of my time watching college and international film, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a team that I'm excited to watch. <laughs> I know not many other people would pick them, but I'm fascinated to see which guys step forward this year. I was a big Josh Giddy guy in the draft, uh, Poku as well from the year before. And they're just a team that constantly is basically everything they do is kind of an audition, right? For what the team's <laughs> actually going to yeah. be in a few years from now. And so I'm always just fascinated by the turnover, by the young guys that do get a chance, which guys do end up hitting. Like I said, I'm fascinated to see, especially Poku, Giddy, and then also Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I'm a Warriors fan. Steph Curry's my favorite player. <laughs> Off Outside of the Warriors, SGA might be my favorite player to watch in the NBA. He's amazing. Like, he's just got such a funky, arrhythmic game that it's mesmerizing. Like, he's one of my favorite guys, and I'm also really interested to just see, like, I know he he put up really good numbers for 35 games. I think it was, like, what, 24 points per game on, like, 50, 40, 80 shooting, something like that. Like, yeah. can he do that for an entire season, and what else did he add? Because, like, DeJounte, probably to a, a much larger extent. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's gotten better every single offseason, added a new little caveat to his game. So I'm excited to see what he does. I'm I'm right there with you with Giddy and with Poku. And then they also guys got, got guys like Roby. They got guys like Darius Baisley. I'm yeah. sure, again, I'm sure I'm forgetting other guys. Uh, like Trey Mann was a guy I really liked in the draft. I know he's on their roster. Tio Maladon. Um, just a lot of really fun young pieces and Dort too, like a guy who I really thought deserved some defensive player of the year consideration. I know he wasn't going to win it. I knew he wasn't yeah. going to get like votes just cause they were so bad, but he's a guy who I think is a lot better than probably like the casual NBA fan gives them him credit for. So I'm excited to see how they play. They're going to be a league pass team for me. I'm going to be watching them. I'm going to watch the Hawks, the Spurs, the Hornets. I'm going to watch a lot of teams that probably aren't going to win a bunch of games, but it's going to be fun just to see the development of the young guys because I think that's one of the more underrated aspects of of being a fan of basketball is just seeing the growth of the guys who, you know, eventually will take that mantle as the next generation of stars or, you know, even role players. Because eventually, I, I know guys like J.J. Redick don't get like a, a ton of love. It's like, oh, you know, that's my favorite player. But, you know, some people like that, they, they, they stick in your mind. And I'm sure we're going to get a, a bunch of those guys in the next few years. I know. Whenever I talk to people about kind of who my um, league pass teams are. And I mentioned the Thunder, the Magic, the Kings. <laughs> it's certainly not what your average NBA fan would pick. But, you know, I, ju I just spend so much time preparing for the draft that I love, you know, tracking the guys as they enter the NBA, seeing kind of how my projection does. And just, you know, when you spend so much time watching these guys, you can't help but root for them all. And just seeing them succeed is awesome. I love that part of it. And so... <laughs> Those teams that most people don't watch are the teams that I've always got on my my league pass. I feel you 100%. L let me ask you one question. I know that we're sort of yeah. at the end here, but 
Yep. Out of and I know we didn't talk about them too much, but what are your thoughts on Jock Landale? I mean, <laughs> I know he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes in San Antonio, but is he someone who you've seen enough of to know like his game? And if so, is he someone who you think could beat out a guy like Drew Eubanks, who's sort of established in the rotation, but I wouldn't say is like a, a bona fide, you know, 15 minutes per game. Like that's that's locked in every night. I think he could be unseated. What are your opinions of Jock Landale? Yeah, so. I'm actually a WCC guy. I grew up in Spokane, Washington. I've been a Gonzaga fan and I went to school at BYU. And so I've been around the WCC my whole life. So I've seen, I saw a ton of him in college, uh, like a lot of the games he played. I, I, I haven't seen much of him since he left college, but I know he's expanded his game and he can really shoot it now. But just in terms of the, like the skill level plus the size offensively, like he was really good, uh, and, you know, the question kind of like similar to like a Luca Garza this year is just what can he be defensively in the modern NBA? Yeah. But I think he like I think he's as good as like a Luca Garza, probably even a little bit better and a little bit more off- athletic offensively. And if the jumper from three is real, like I could see him playing some backup minutes like for sure. If Zach Collins comes back healthy, I would prioritize him as the backup center. But I certainly hope Jock gets some minutes to prove himself. That dude is tough and that dude is big and really, really skilled. He was a, he was a nightmare for both BYU and Gonzaga <laughs> in the WCC. So I certainly uh, respect what he's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if he gets minutes. He's sort of the new resident Australian now that, uh, you know, Patty Mills is off the roster. He's talked about bringing grid and, and grind to the city of San Antonio. He said he can shoot the piss out of the ball. I, I guess that's an Australian phrase. <laughs> So I, I just want to see him out there. I know he's lost a lot of weight since he he went to college. He would play, sort of played overweight when he was at St. Mary's. So maybe that's improved his mobility. But I appreciate you just sort of talking about him for a second because he's a guy who, you know, I really do hope gets minutes. But we'll just have to see. Like the rest of this roster, it's sort of up in the air. Like, And I think that's exciting. It should be exciting for Spurs fans or just general NBA fans who like chaos. <laughs> For sure. Well, speaking of League Pass, uh, I'm going to finish up here and I'm going to go watch some of the preseason games that are now starting. But thank you very much, uh, Noah, for coming on the show today and sharing your view of these young guys for the San Antonio Spurs. Always enjoy having you on. Is there anything that you'd like to plug before we finish today? Sure. Uh, First, I'd like to thank you for, for bringing me on. I always have a good time talking with you. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. You can find my words at Pounding the Rock. You can find my video breakdowns for Spurs film footage, uh, all that good stuff. You can find it at YouTube, just my name, No Magaro George. And uh, you can find my podcast, Alamo City Limits, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. So again, thank you so much for bringing me on. I had a blast. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft podcast your first listen today and hopefully every day. Now, go ahead and make your second listen, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast that is hosted by Josh Lloyd, and it is actually the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It is free and available on all platforms.